On today's episode, I want you to meet one of the most selfless, generous people I know. She always has a smile on her face and you'd never know she's having a bad day. She spreads not only joy in the world, but a lot of sweat as well. As a group fitness instructor for over 20 years, she has impacted hundreds, if not thousands of people's lives through her gift and incredible ability to motivate. We also talk about a couple of challenging times in her life, one of which is ongoing and how she has handled these challenges. Welcome to the Fit United Radio and Podcast, where each episode we aim to bring you fresh, relevant fitness and health-related news, content, and interviews to help you reach new heights and ultimately become your best and fittest selves. All right, guys, in three, two, and one, let's go. All right, my guest today goes by the name of Sharon Freeman. She is a current client of one of our trainers here at Iron Alley Gym. She's also a highly respected, well-known, and tenured group fitness instructor. A little bit about Sharon's education. She obtained a bachelor's in medical laboratory sciences from UBC. She also got a diploma in medical laboratory technology from BCIT. She worked in a hospital for a number of years until a health scare forced her to rethink her career and ultimately focus on herself. This led her to pursue a career in the fitness industry where she has been a group fitness instructor since 1999. She's got a number of fitness certifications, including the BCRPA certification for yoga. She's got indoor cycling, aquatic fitness, TRX, BOSU, a Gatsu kettlebell level one and bar. And aside from the fitness industry, guys, she also is fully certified as a nail esthetician. She also grooms dogs from her home facility, guys. What is it that Sharon can't do? But Sharon uh, has done so many things for her friends and the community, and I'm so grateful for her. We're going to talk about her path to working in fitness, the health scare that changed the trajectory in her life, and another ongoing challenge she is facing. Yet despite all of this, she continues to be such a positive energy whenever you're around her. I want to say thank you to our sponsor for this episode, TRX Suspension Training Systems. TRX, also known as Total Resistance Exercises, is a brand of exercise tools that you'll find in virtually every gym or fitness facility. The most common of these TRX tools is known as the TRX Suspension System. Now, there are these yellow and black straps that are either hooked onto the wall, a squat rack, or even an S-frame, which is a specific anchoring system for the TRX. These straps use your body weight as the resistance, which means you can progress or regress the difficulty as much as you want all by adjusting your body weight in relation to the floor. Now there are literally hundreds of exercises you can do using these suspension straps and you can get a full body workout in 15 to 20 minutes. They even have an app that you can use to have guided workouts right on your phone. Now, I obtained my certification in the TRX suspension system a few years ago, and ever since then, it's been my favorite tool to use with all my clients, both beginner and advanced. Now, I particularly love another tool of theirs, the RIP Trainer. Now, ask any of my clients, and they'll tell you that they absolutely hate the thing, but they know just how good it really is for getting that full body workout. The RIP Trainer is essentially a metal rod attached to a band on one end. You can change the tension of the bands for added resistance, and with this one-sided tension, you're able to do unilateral exercises that really help you identify your body's imbalances so you can improve on them. TRX suspension training is a staple in my workouts and is even an essential part of many global group training brands. 
The best part of these tools is that they're super portable and you can hook them up to anything wherever you are. Even at home, you can hook it up over your door and get that full body workout in the comfort of your own home. All right, if you want to get your hands on either the TRX suspension training system or the RIP trainer, I will put a link in the show notes for you. Full disclosure, guys, I'm an affiliate of TRX. So what that means is if you buy something from TRX using the link, I do get compensated for it. The good thing is it doesn't cost any more for you to do this and you're supporting the Fit United podcast at the same time. Also wanted to let you guys know about the text community that is steadily growing now, guys. This is the Fit United Podcast VIP. As you know, my goal is to connect all of us on a deeper level through conversations right here on the podcast, but also between one another. Once you're part of the VIP, you get access to exclusive content from me as it rolls out, and I'll let you know ahead of everyone else of new episodes coming out. The best part is it's free, and you and I can keep in touch directly simply through text. All you have to do is text FITNESS to 69922. That's it. I've got a super important question to ask you guys there. So text me now, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, FITNESS to 69922. All right, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to dive into this one. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with a one and only Sharon Freeman. All right, guys, Kevin here for United Podcast. Wanted to introduce you to my guest today, Sharon Freeman. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Really happy to have you on here. We have so much to talk about today. Um, we've known each other for a few years now from uh, the fitness space. So um, I actually want to tell a little bit of that story of how we met. Uh, I used to work at Steve Nash Fitness World, so a commercial gym, uh, just here in Langley, very close uh, to where we are now. And that was my first foray into the personal training world. I had switched careers completely. I was in banking and now just getting into uh, personal training. But I remember vividly at least one of the first times that you and I met um, because you would always walk in and out of the gym because you were a group fitness trainer. Yes. And the group fitness space was upstairs. Yes. Okay. And I would, uh, and where the personal trainers hung out was by the computers, by the entrance. And so you'd always come in and out and I'd just say hi. And you were always this smiling, friendly face. Um, Anyway, um, I remember you giving me a small gift. I really can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And you 100% probably not remember this, but um, well, I think it was around Christmas time because I joined around Christmas time of that year. So anyway, you'd given me, a, maybe it was a Starbucks gift card or something, something very small. But at the same time, I'm like, I probably said hi to you three or four times in all the interactions you had, but yet you still were thoughtful enough to bring me this gift card. I was like, this girl's amazing. Anyway, so that was my very first vivid memory of how we met. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Sharon is, I'm going to just tell a little bit about, you know, your background. Um, you've had a vast experience in just almost about everything. Mm. <laughs> um, and I can list off all the certifications and things that you have. Um, but why don't you tell me a little bit about how, or the experiences that you've had starting in the group fitness space? Yeah. And group fitness, like how I got into it. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I have always been active, even as a child, in sports and always interested in gym and PE and, right. and stuff like that. And then in, in adulthood, um, after I got through a bit of school and got a, a, a job, I, I had my first gym membership at Spa Lady okay, in, in Coquitlam, or Coquitlam Burnaby Border in, yeah. in the early 90s. And I was that typical enthusiastic front row person right in the classes. Yeah. And I love my group fitness classes. Aww. And a couple of my favorite instructors um, eventually encouraged me, pulled me aside and said, you know, you're 
you'd be really good at this. You should ah. consider getting certified. Right. So that's how that came about. So ever since then, so you were already doing group fitness classes for a little while. Yeah, as a okay. participant. And even before that, when I was a teenager or a tween, my dad would take me with him to, there was a, a racquetball center in Willowbrook. Oh, okay. In, in Willowbrook. In Willowbrook. In one of the racquetball courts, there was a lady that used to do t- typical 80s styles aerobic classes. Oh, no way. And my dad, <laughs> you know, was would go do them and he he asked if if he could bring me sometimes i'd go do it with him and i love that right the group the group classes and and so as long as i can remember i've always loved being you know involved in some in fitness in some way in fitness so so after you'd attended a bunch of these group fitness classes how do you transition between or from being a participant to now hey i'm going to teach my first class yeah so i mean the certification process is you know, you you do the, the the book part, the study part, and then you do your practicum part, and you get your hours in, and then you get evaluated, yeah. and, and then there it is. And so that that all kind of unraveled in in 1999, and okay. so yeah, that was a while back now. <laughs> <laughs> but that that speaks to the experience that you have in this field, right? I mean, it's been a while. You've been doing this for quite some time. Yes. Yeah. Um, how was it getting? Because I'm pretty sure you're always on a microphone when you're in front of a group of people. You got music uh, going on. I don't know if you're speaking over the music. But uh, how was it being in front of a group of people? You always said you were in the front of the group, very enthusiastic, being yes. a participant. But now you're facing it the other way, now teaching in the class. So how did that feel for the first time? Do you remember? Initially, you're you're nervous. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you get comfortable with your people. And then when you start somewhere new, you get nervous again. Yeah, if yeah. it's a new format. like there, I think it's good to always have that little bit of nervousness. like um, you know. But once you're up there and you get in it, then you fall into a groove. And it's so fun. And it's so comfortable. And it's just it's so nice to bring up the energy in the room mm. and then get everybody else's energy up and because some people you can tell by their body language when they walk in you know maybe they've not had a good day or something <laughs> like that or they re- it really took maybe an effort for them to get there mm-hmm. but then i mean for the most part everybody leaves with a smile on their yeah. face and so it's really good it's really great right and, yeah. and and i mean back in the day we d- didn't always have a microphone so you had to oh, yell okay and then it became more of a a savior voice kind of thing yeah. so then so then managers and owners of gyms were like yes having a microphone is a good idea right. because you can you know that you can develop polyps in your throat right, right. from all that yeah. use and mm-hmm. overuse especially if you're yelling over music and stuff yeah and so that's really interesting because obviously i haven't been doing it quite as long as you have but i am a coach and i have group fitness classes and things like that um the most nerve-wracking thing for me was hearing what my voice sounded like on the microphone. There was no one else in the room. But then now my voice is not my normal conversational voice. And then people coming in here for the first time, now I'm like, literally everybody in this room can hear me. People in the lobby can hear me. And like, how do I sound? I don't want to fumble. So that's what it was. I think it was a little bit of that nervousness, Mm -hmm. I think. And like you said, as you go progress, um, you kind of get comfortable. The same people come. Then you kind of get into a groove. You have your own style. Yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, the only difference for what I do and what you do is you actually, I mean, I'm I'm like making myself sound really lazy, but you actually do the workout uh, in a lot of these classes. Mm -hmm. Now, how does that impact how you present uh, like your level of energy? Like how many classes can you do in a day? Think about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, you could do more than one class a day. I could do more than one class a day and still feel 
pretty good, but it becomes more about balance, right? Mm -hmm. And so even even if you're young and fit and stuff, I think you need to think about maintaining that balance and um, you want to keep your energy up. when you're up there they're looking to you for motivation yeah. and yeah. if you can show a higher level if you, we have to sh- we have to cater to all levels of fitness mm-hmm. which you know right. so often we have to show low impact to high impact and demonstrate something in between um, and being an instructor is nice because we can have a break sometimes we'll come off the stage or come off from in front and walk around and maybe interact stand, a little bit yeah, more with stand them. beside somebody and you want to make sure that you connect with your people in your group so that's important part of group as well is to not just be up on the stage and not just watch yourself yeah, in the yeah. mirror doing that <laughs> like you need to always be cognizant of making a connection with right. your people right? right so i think that's one of the my biggest takeaways in doing this is that the connection that you build with a lot of people like you're exposed mm-hmm. to uh, you know 20 people every class or whatever however big your group classes are and these people come to you every day to get motivated yeah right yeah um I had I, uh, Orange Theory where I coach, I teach us one day where I teach first thing in the morning. And so there's a certain breed of people who come and work out at five in the morning. Yes. Right? What kind of experience have you had with that versus like an afternoon group or an evening group? Yeah, the demographics <laughs> are quite different, right? Yeah. I mean, the people that make the time to come in early morning before they go to work, I find are quite driven and mm-hmm. hardworking and... Um, then you know they know that that's going to give them that's going to energize them for yeah. the rest of their day contrary to somebody thinking oh i'm going to get up at 4 30 to do a 5 30 class <laughs> you know i'm going to be so bad yeah but, yeah but it's a mindset and like if you believe that you're going to feel tired then you probably will but yeah. if you tell yourself this is good you know i'm going to feel energized and i'm going to have a great day then that's what will be and and that 5 a.m group yeah. they tend to be pretty dedicated yeah. and hard workers not that the other groups are not but there's just different um demographics that come in at different times of yeah. the day and yeah. uh yeah so i, I <laughs> i'm i'm surprised and and you know I, i'm happy that there is this group out there that wants to come in at five yeah, six yeah, in the yeah. morning and they have that energy because usually i get energy from <laughs> yeah, them yeah. <laughs> And that's exactly literally how I was going to follow this up because to be honest, when I first started coaching first, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, I wasn't normally up at four o'clock, four thirty mm-hmm. in the morning, right? So I needed to find a way to f- energize myself first because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they're coming in to work out. They're already motivated people. And then, but I got to be their motivator yet still. So that means my energy levels need to be even higher. So yeah. I thought that was one of a bit of learning curve for me was figuring out what, where that is. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so besides you getting on the mic for the first time or being in front of people as a kind of a nervous experience for you, what kind of things uh, did you find were challenges being a group trainer, group fitness? Mm, well, challenging is, you know, you can't please everyone, mm. right? I mean, we want to try and give a really good class and, and you want to have a good playlist or good music and motivating music and and so there's so many factors um, to, to think about, and you want to have a good balance of your class. Is it mixed cardio and strength? Is it mostly cardio? What is it, right? And you got to <laughs> yeah. stick to the format in some mm. cases where if you're teaching for a certain place, then you have certain formats, then the participants are expecting that I format. See, right. So you need to stick to... Um, stick to the formats in gotcha. some cases for consistency and so mm-hmm. that you know what to expect and 
Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, ch- challenging in that more sometimes, you know, if you're tired, you gotta, you gotta put that aside and just mm. bring your best. Yeah, totally. You gotta leave, leave stuff behind and just bring your best yeah. energy and best self forward and try and leave stuff off to the side if it's not great. And then yeah. you still can present a really great class and yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's kind of one of the things, again, one of the challenges that I had was not necessarily something bad was going on outside of, you know, me and my work, but you really learn how to separate work from home mm-hmm. because you're so immersed in what you're doing as a group fitness instructor. Uh, there's other people that these people are counting on you to maximize their workout for that hour. Right. You really have no time to think about anything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, after a while, you develop relationships and rapport with the people in your classes and they inevitably you get to know some of them yeah. and vice versa. So it's nice because, you know, if you if you you can sometimes be candid with people and just be honest about what's happening with you or something. Like not my best day today. Type yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, people understand because we're all humans. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just a just a part of your yeah it's part of all of us right we have our good days and bad days so would you say that with all the classes that you teach now may i ask how many classes were you teaching at your maximum like in a week in a week so at my maximum i remember teaching um 13 to 14 classes in a week um which isn't bad you know but yeah but i know of some 14 workouts a week (laughs) really yeah (laughs) but but i know of some people who teaching you know is their primary source of income and they're pushing five six classes a day day, and that's crazy because by the last one you can if you ever overheard some of their participants or something you could the participants can tell by the quality of the class that's Mm -hmm. being delivered or that person's energy i mean your your meter starts to run low right it's it can become difficult absolutely um especially if you're participating in the workout so so even now i i I try to limit, be very um, aware of, of how many classes I'm teaching per day, if that's the case. Like if the, if a place is strapped and, and they need, des- they're desperate for yeah. subs, then sometimes you'll do it, you'll yeah. suck it up, right? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of those times where you might try and choose classes where you can get away with more coaching per se Rather than, than, than doing, doing and uh, coaching at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I mean, that's a lot of volume. I mean, for me, four or five was kind of my maximum in terms of energy levels that's sufficient to have yeah. a, you know, well-delivered class where anything, anything more, I see the energy levels drop significantly, right? Especially yeah. for us. So. so it becomes more about quality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Quantity. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I actually want to talk a little bit about how you got into, uh, you know, what you were doing before. So we talked about how you got into pers- uh, group fitness. But yes. What were you doing before that, before 1999, when you had this career shift? Yeah, so initially my background is in health sciences. So I, um, I, worked, at, uh, I worked at Burnaby Hospital in the lab as a lab technologist. And um, yeah, I, I, I went to BCIT and got my diploma in medical laboratory technology. And then I got a job in the clinical lab at Burnaby Hospital and... Um, started there got my foot in the door and then went on to finish my bachelor's in medical laboratory science at UCC and um, that was my career for just over 10 years I I had a kind of a 10-year vision a 10-year plan right and then 
by 10 years, my goal was to become self-employed at home. Okay, okay. But and I, this was, wait, what, 10 years starting from when, when you graduated university? When I started at the hospital. Oh, okay, So, okay. In, say, in round 92, mm-hmm. I would give myself about 10 years to figure out what I wanted to become self-employed in at home, right? Ah, and, okay. And part of the motivation of that was that when I was... Um, and you know, I get, we'll get to this too. Is yeah. health, uh, my my personal health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Situation. That was a major driver. So, yeah, for yeah. So I, I wanted to figure out. You know, I saw myself as being um, a, a family a family person. I, w- I had hopes of being a mom. You know, with kids. And so in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it'd be nice to be able to contribute to the household, to contribute to income by, and you know, I wanted to be self-employed at home, I so I could have control over my schedule and right. still be a contributor. And and that's kind of how how this all came yeah, to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then fitness has always been. Uh, a part of part of always fit into whatever I was doing so even if I was working full-time days you know I could do something after work or um, I could do something in the morning then you know when I was self-employed then I used the better part of the day for my business and then I could teach morning and even late afternoon or evening right so something like that so So when you said you had this 10-year vision you Mm -hmm. had just started working at the hospital what were you doing then to cultivate this vision that you had while still, you know, doing the daily grind, so to speak? Yeah, um, I, I, I had some ideas about what I wanted to do because I loved kids and I love fitness. And, and so I was toying with the idea of maybe becoming a personal trainer or doing some kind of, you know, having my own something at home right. and then or pre and post. Um, Natal. Uh, no uh, daycare for oh, okay, pre-post, okay. pre and post school got it um, daycare for kids and um, then as it happened I I had a friend who had an aesthetics business out of her okay. home that I would go to and I would you know have these conversations with her and she said why don't you do this <laughs> I was like what aesthetics yeah. and then I had to really think about it because I thought you know when I was a kid I was always the one in my group of friends who was like oh you know I want to braid your hair I want to do your nails or <laughs> you let me want do, do this for people yeah and oh, okay. I wanted to give them massages and they'd say <laughs> I was good at it so they wanted me to do that for them yeah. my friends and so I gave it a real think over and then right. of course you know I had to uh, consult with them um, at that time I had you know doctors and, and mm-hmm. that I had to talk to and stuff and and um, the the child the the daycare thing was not um, recommended by my doctors because okay. they said kids are just like Petri virus dishes. virus varmints is what she <laughs> yeah. said and virus varmints yeah and she said your immune system is low like compromised so this is not a good choice for you um, so that's definitely out you know think about something else and, right. and so eventually that's how the I thought oh I can I can do the aesthetics thing because it was um, like a one to two year program and, and then I could do that and quite quickly and easily so yeah. so so all of this uh, you had gone to this aesthetician had these conversations you were still working at Burnaby Hospital in the lab right yeah and uh, you decided okay well I'm gonna take up aesthetics aesthetics uh, so you decide why you were in working at the hospital that you're going to go to school and get certified in 
aesthetics. That's right. Okay, and that was around 2000, 2002, is that right? That's right, yes. Okay. So at that point, I only ever had like part-time positions at the hospital. Okay. So I started out um, in weekend graveyards, then I went to part-time afternoon shift, and then I went to uh, part-time <laughs> days. And then um, then I thought, okay, I can, I can do the aesthetics college concurrent with working at the hospital and they were really good because I what I do is I'd you know either go to work in the morning from say eight to noon and then go over to school or vice versa and I somehow I made it work so yeah. <laughs> it, it was really really fortunate that it worked out well and I could still earn an income while I was doing that yeah now were you already a group fitness trainer at that point 2000 2002 you'd already st- just started yeah, right just certified and so that was kind of on hold so what I was what I was doing was I'd keep up my certification but be more of a participant and could just kind of go as a participant right Ah, okay okay yeah because I my schedule was just so busy already as it was so I I, yeah so when did you decide to transition you're like okay you know what I've got my aesthetics degree uh Mm -hmm. I'm doing group fitness or at least Mm -hmm. I'm certified in it yeah which is in your back pocket now when were you like all right I'm done with the hospital I don't see that that's my future I'm ready to move on when did you have that, you know, when did you make that decision? That was um, around 2004. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 2004. Um, I already joined as a member to the Langley Fitness World in okay. 99. So I... I Kind as of a, was, just as a member, though. As a member, okay. yeah. And I did teach a little bit at Spa Lady up until the early 2000s, right? And then, yeah, like maybe around 2000. And then I had to stop because of work and aesthetics college, and it was just too much. So, um, yeah, so around 2004, my supervisor at the time, who was fantastic, and, <laughs> I, and we're dear friends still now, to this eh? day. Wow. Yeah. Um, she was really, really supportive and accommodating, and whenever you're ready, you know, we'd love to love to get you on the schedule, that kind of thing. So there's no pressure, right? And I could sob, and and yeah, so it was really, really, <laughs> really great. Yeah, that I had that there. Now, how long do you think it took you to be a like a well-rounded, proficient group fitness trainer? I know we're kind of bouncing back a little bit, but mm-hmm. when did you think that you're like, okay, I'm good, I'm ready to spread my wings and just you know run my own classes? How long was that development process for you? Mm, it really was wasn't that long, I don't think, because yeah. I was a participant for so long, mm. and you get familiar with certain combos and you know your your favorite classes. So what yeah. happens is you tend to teach the formats that you love the most because uh, you feel the most confident about <laughs> yeah, yeah, those. Yeah. And then then you then I felt comfortable. Um, I want actually wanted to start teaching other formats because it becomes a little bit repetitive. repetitive yeah. yeah, even though you change your class plans and in that, but you know, you want different formats. Yeah. And then that's also why I pursued other certifications like in mm. within group fitness. Why, right. why branch out? Because then you can have all these h- cool hybrid classes, as you know, right? Right. So. And so uh, the difference between you and I with, in terms of group fitness is uh, with Orange Theory, we have um, certain tools that we can use. Mm-hmm. And I think you have uh, more a little bit more flexibility. So we've got dumbbells. We have the TRX. We yeah. have, you know, kettle. No, we don't have kettlebells. Sorry. Uh, we have rower. We have treadmills. Um, and ab dollies and things, but uh, you in the group fitness, would you say you have flexibility to use really any tools that are at your disposal? 
a disposal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, depending on the facility and how right. big the classroom is and how much storage room you have for equipment. Equipment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can do so many different things now in your group, uh, fitness classes mm-hmm. and incorporating some aspects of personal training too. I mean, there's so many tools that you can use now. And yeah, then the, totally. the, the thing is to not get it too cluttered not get make it too right you you still want to have it challenging and fun and not make it too confusing because once you start to um put too many things in there it becomes hard to track keep track of for right not enough. just yourself but your participants yeah too. it complicates it for you and the participants mm-hmm. in your group fair mm-hmm. enough and, and the reason i ask is because you have certifications in trx yes. like myself uh, Bosu ball, which yes. is, I think, a very huge, huge tool for a lot of things. We also have Bosu balls. Forgot about yeah. that. And uh, the kettlebell. kettlebell. Now, um, your trainer Deja, she is a certified uh, instructor in kettlebell. Now, yeah. how long have you had the kettlebell certification now? Oh, I did it way back in I think 2015 or 2016. Okay, yeah. So you've had so it for quite I've a few, even longer yeah. than me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and technically, we were supposed to research every couple of years. I know. So <laughs> my, my my certs right there. I think yeah. it says 2018. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like you, the knowledge is still there. You yes. recertify, but your knowledge, you know, you if you yeah. use it, it's, yeah. You retain. If you're if you're teaching it regularly, then I think it would be mm-hmm. prudent to to keep right. that up yeah so that's really interesting that you and i mean this is good practice for all personal trainers whether it's group fitness or individual but to really branch out and learn different skills because yes. then now you can impart that knowledge onto your group fitness uh you know classes is there a certain tool would you say that you feel like is your favorite to kind of use it's like oh that's my jam this is sharon's you know go-to do you have a go-to i <clears throat> i really enjoyed um teaching the the jump sport classes jump sport okay yeah. tell me what, what is yeah. jump sport so you had your own little personal size trampoline basically yeah okay yeah, yeah. i've seen these yeah 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 Yeah. so that was super fun um i really enjoyed that and, and my all-time favorite class to teach i would say is just good old kickbox really mm-hmm. okay so kickboxing that's another yeah. you know skill so that you're, just you're using your body weight and just toning your speed agility yeah right now i feel bad that i've never actually done one of your group classes <laughs> now i'm gonna have to try it and you're gonna kick my butt obviously but uh now all these things that i feel like i want to try with you and i want to see how i keep up to be honest <laughs> i'm a little bit nervous just thinking about it. oh it's all fun yeah <laughs> Um, so obviously you wouldn't have been doing, how long have you been doing group fitness before first? It's before? just, I just surpassed 20 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank That's you. amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Honestly, for anyone to stick to anything for 20 years or any, or longer is, is just a feat mm-hmm. in itself. So the fact that you were able to do that and keep yourself healthy, yep. right. And notwithstanding certain things and be able to continue for 20 years says a lot. So, yes. um, <clears throat> I don't think you'd be doing group fitness if you didn't love it. Now, what is it, if you could drill it down, what is it that you love about it so much that you continue to do it and will continue to do it, I think, for a little while longer, quite a while longer? Yeah, um, that feeling of being able to help people feel like they've accomplished something and connecting with the people in your class and loving the feeling yourself after a workout, mm. right? And And so, I mean, you have that platform literally in that stage in which to influence people in a positive way and and lead by example and you know everybody seems to have a story including myself Mm -hmm. right and then when we were talking earlier about um developing these relationships and rapport with people yeah then you know they might start to ask well what happened to you like you know what's with the 
surgical st- scar on your abdomen right. like what happened and so then you you know it just makes you that much more human and people can relate yeah and then they think oh if she could do it then <laughs> right I mean, yeah yeah no and i totally appreciate that you brought that up because i think when you're on a platform whether it's a stage or mm-hmm. where you're the guy on the mic with this shirt on that says i'm the coach uh, in a way you're especially for someone new going into group fitness as a member for the first time you feel a bit like oh, I'm almost on a pedestal you're somewhat removed and you got this non-human aspect of being just the coach and you know you run the class and people leave but like you said the whole rapport building side of things as people get to know you better you're just another person mm-hmm. at the end of the day but you're just you're now helping them you know get keep them motivated and you know participate in the class and i think that's one thing that i can really take away from my experience doing what you do mm-hmm. is that um the conversations and the connections that you have just by making people sweat like literally i'll run a class people are dying and i said this to the person that i interviewed before you but um they're, they're they tell me in the beginning of class I'm, i hate you right now but then at the very end of class they say i love you man <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean exactly. they hate you for the hour but then for the hour yeah. after right after they're they're happy and so. they don't really mean that like we've <laughs> had that we've all had that where you go around and sometimes you know when you're talking about walking around the class and you go in front of somebody and you're like yeah. come on you can do it and they're like eh. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah totally. giving, you the, like, oh, giving you the fierce but, scowl yeah. or you know saying actually like i hate you yeah, or, yeah, and, yeah. but it's all in fun like there's a little, right. there's that you know you can tell they don't really mean that of course of yeah course. and then afterwards it's like wow am i ever glad i came to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the sweat yeah. you know yeah now would you say that you have lifelong relationships and friendships from the connections that you made through group fitness yeah, yeah. and that's what i'm most uh thankful for mm-hmm. uh, fellow instructors and then participants that have been in my class you know right. and now we hang out yeah. socially or you know go yeah. to each other's house for coffee or yeah. lunch or, or go out together and right. it's great and even just um recently here at iron alley there's um uh one of the clients of uh one of your trainers yeah. here um remembered me from from Langley. Oh, no way. yeah and um and she said uh you know that that stone you gave me, I still have it. Because wow. one, one year, uh, I started doing this thing where, like, at special occasions, I would give my participants little gifts. Right? Yeah. See? <laughs> so <laughs> I, this one year, I gave everyone yeah. um, a little little um, healing stone that okay. either either had one word or a little phrase on it, like an inspirational word or something. Yeah. And so this, this lady was like, you know, I, I still have that. And... I still remember that day and I was going through a hard time and, and she said it really meant a lot and and I'll never forget that. So I was like, oh. right? I get chills just thinking about this. Yes. That's, that's amazing how yeah. far reaching your impact can mm-hmm. be. And, I'm, and, and I don't speak that just in general, but you in particular, and we'll get to that in a little mm-hmm. while longer, but uh, your reach is far reaching. I'll tell you that. Um, let's go back a little bit because you had mentioned a little bit before uh, certain um, medical conditions that had limited you and potentially would have been even more limiting and you were saying that you know there were members in your group that or in your group fitness classes that noticed that you had a scar in the abdomen right can you tell us a little bit more about what it was that that this condition what was it that you had yeah so when i was 17 i was diagnosed with um a very rare autoimmune condition called takayasu's arteritis so taki it was this condition was um 
discovered by Dr. Takayasu in, in <laughs> and then he Japan. To name himself. And then yeah. this this oh, um, condition became known as Takayasu's arteritis. And so right. what what happened was um, my antibodies would attack the cells that line my major arteries, and so it was very sick, you know, kind of in the wow. prime of my senior to like grade 11 and 12 high school, at school, yeah. high school. And the stats for this condition were three in one million. To, and to, to get this disease. To get this. Okay. And so there really wasn't a whole lot known about it. And the, the, I, I was a patient at Children's Hospital for a long time, even past when I was supposedly you know technically allowed to be there like not they, even they a didn't, child they didn't, anymore they didn't yeah. know where to send me and right. and so um and they said all they knew at that time was it seemed to be prevalent in young females of japanese descent and as it happens I, my mom is japanese okay. and my dad is indian of indian descent right, right? even though i'm born and raised here but right. i guess i was the lucky chosen one <laughs> and there was no known cause Jeez. and it was incurable and my they goodness. couldn't really tell me a whole lot more and so it was very scary yeah. right i mean um i presented with pain in my chest and my back i oh my had God. these fevers that wouldn't go away and um i had no palpable pulse or blood pressure in my left arm um wow. i was yeah i can't so, imagine yeah so it would turn out my left carotid artery was was affected so it starts kind of at the top of your body and then works its, its way down. down okay yeah so um i i've had i i uh, yeah i was diagnosed with that my and, goodness and um, uh, it it led to me having to be in and out of the hospital, having multiple tests and surgeries right. and doctors, <laughs> and um, that's that's yeah. kind of been a a major factor in my pursuit in wanting to stay fit mm-hmm. and and involved in fitness and using fitness as a means of. Right. Staying strong. Now, I'll, before we even go there, I want to just talk about, because when we had talked about this before, and I did a, just a very a little amount of research on what this was, because mm-hmm. I was so curious, but you had said that you even had a major kidney bypass surgery. I just want to give mm-hmm. a scope or a scale of how serious this was. I mean, yeah. you could say you have this condition, but to the scale that you had it, you had major kidney bypass surgery. Right? Yeah, it and was called. Others, a, right? Yeah, it was called a left renal arterial bypass graft, okay. and because of the high doses of prednisone that it was on, I developed severe osteoporosis. Oh my gosh! And this and, again at the age my, of 16, so, 17? so the osteoporosis was diagnosed in my twenties, okay. and the left renal arterial bypass graft happened um, in my in my. 30s. Okay. Uh, I've had hernia repair surgery. I've had a hysterectomy. And uh, while I was on certain medications, they were constantly monitoring my eyes to make sure that I didn't form cataracts because some of the medications I was on were known for causing Causing cataracts. So, yeah. And I had, I was always in rotation, like going from one specialist to another. So at one point, I think the height of the different types of doctors I was seeing was probably about a dozen or 13 different types of specialists okay. for different things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And tons of prescription medications, right? I mean, Shoppers Drug Mart loved me. Like I was their best customer. <laughs> like I was good like for about Skittles for six you. to $7,000 oh a year oh. in pharmaceuticals. So, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And so this was a period of about what 24 years i think is what we talked about right Uh, that you were full-time i would say considering (laughs) dealing with this yeah and so i wasn't always sick per se it was it's one of those things where 
you treat it aggressively when it flares up, right? So whenever I was in a flare is when I'd be in crisis where I'd have to be admitted to the hospital or something or be off of work or something. And so this would happen every now and then. And it was largely stress Stress induced. Oh my gosh. So this is also why I also stopped working at the hospital and tried to, to adjust my life and my lifestyle so that I could have more control over my schedule mm-hmm. and, and work to reduce, like do things that would effectively reduce my stress level in my I life see. and keep my medical condition at bay. A check. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, without getting too specific, were there certain things about your role at the hospital that were stressful? Like what was it? Was it long hours or um, was it you know, just, you know, being on your feet all day or what was it like? Yeah. So in the, early, in, at the beginning, when you start at the bottom of the totem pole and you're mm-hmm. working graveyards, yes, that's I stressful see. because right. I was really the only one in the lab and I had an assistant and it was usually either dead or really crazy busy. So that's very <laughs> stressful. Yeah. Um, and then same with afternoons, you're on a, on a skeleton kind of crew. And so that can be really busy or not. And, and so that getting into day shift was better. And then the other stressful parts of it would just be, you know, work, politics, or, or of course, I mean, or personality clashes right. within, you know. There's an element of that in every yeah, workplace, exactly. I think. Exactly. Yeah. So just, just, um, but the commute itself from Surrey to Burnaby could get quite hairy, also. So <laughs> depending on what time of the day, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so driving every day, you know, for a full for for work was. Um, could be could right. cause so stress. all in all yeah. this contributed to your stress levels mm-hmm. and as such you had to make a change yes. right and that's why you made the change into fitness because you're already working out as a participant and then you decide okay well you know what i'm moving on yeah, yeah. well i mean I, fitness was always part of part of it, my my life but mm-hmm. but and I, that was not um there was no option to not have it in there right <laughs> I, I needed that because was that always. was also what was i think helping me or saving me mm-hmm. in a lot of cases so now, I'm curious what this illness felt physically for you. Now, because, you know, we can look it up and we can see the description, but how did it feel as a person going through this? What did that feel like? Um, well, I would have, in a crisis or a flare, I'd definitely have pain. You know, I'd um tired. Um, sometimes I wouldn't have really great circulation, depending on what parts of my body were affected. So, um yeah, and then of course, like the emotions that go with that are like depression, and you mm-hmm. know, you get angry and depressed and sad, and right. and um, there's a whole lot of things you have to try and overcome. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming, and and um, yeah, it's it's challenging. So it, for a while, there was in a really bad bad place, and yeah. then there was a couple of really close calls where yeah. you have to really really make a mental change of how you perceive things and how yeah. you do things otherwise i would be sitting here talking yeah. to you <laughs> i understand i completely understand yeah now that's the other thing about physical ailments um is that it's not purely physical because it does impact us mm-hmm. psychologically as well and i can understand that you were going through that as well at the mm-hmm. same time <clears throat> now when you say you had close calls what brought you out of these times where you felt like you know you had no other option um, well, definitely I had really great doctors. Yeah. I mean, that thankfully, you know, at that time, one of my worst flares, I was 
she said, you're just a ticking time bomb. Like, can you just please don't go to the gym? Um, don't do anything to stress yourself out. You're at extremely high risk for stroke or heart attack. And um, like it, for her to kind of lose her cool and see her like that scared me. Of course it would, because they're like... Yeah, and so I thought I'm going to do everything she tells me to do. So she sent me for a barrage of tests. She put me on high doses of medicine and aggressive treatment to basically beat this thing into remission as quickly as possible, right? right? Because she was worried I was going to stroke out and die. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't obviously, it wasn't, yeah, you didn't take it lightly, obviously. there was. It was at a point where you needed to start and do things yeah. take it seriously. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, and then, you know, I had involved hospital stays and right. and, um, and being kind of keeping things quiet for, for a while. And Right. Now, obviously, the good news from all of this is that you've now overcome this condition. It's no longer yeah. something that is a daily uh, concern for you anymore. Like, what does that mean now when you said that, I am no longer, I think the, the term you said was indefinite remission. That's the term the doctor used in yeah. 2011. And I said, do you mean I'm cured? And he goes, well, <laughs> you know, I want to refrain from saying that, but I believe I'm cured. I, I believe something key to me is to visualize myself as this strong and healthy person. And right. once I started to embrace that and not focus on what I didn't want, like, oh, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to, yeah. you know, be on all this medication. If you keep on that track of what you don't want yeah. rather than what you want, yeah. I think you need to think about what you want and, oh, of course. And, yeah, yeah. and visualize, you know, these. There's there's a lot of, truth to these vision boards or writing things oh, down yeah. and seeing them and being having that manifest for real i, I believe that yeah, so yeah. i i think there was a, there had to be a shift in um definitely big big shift in yeah. in how how i how i thought about right <clears throat> how i thought about the tachyasus well, arteritis well if you think about thinking thinking to me is like a conversation you have with yourself right i'm thinking right so when i have a conversation with somebody and it's just negative this negative that i don't want to do this i don't want to go there i don't want to the at the end of the day that conversation you can have this negative vibe or feeling between you and that other person I don't see how that's any different with the conversation you have with yourself with, through your thoughts. If you continue to think negatively about yeah. whatever's in front of you, yes. uh, guess what's going to manifest is more negativity, exactly. right? So, yeah. yeah. And so I'm glad that you were able to shift, you, you know, your thinking such that it was turning things into positivity. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so in the next part of my interview with Sharon, we will be discussing a topic that is as of the release date of this episode, ongoing. We will be discussing the class action lawsuit of which Sharon is the lead plaintiff. And I want to be clear that the issues that are the basis of the class action lawsuit that we will be talking about have yet to be heard in court and are allegations until determined otherwise in a court of law. All right, let's get back to that interview now. So now that you've overcome this, and now it's 2011 now, it's yeah. been obviously quite a few years, um, you've managed to create a reputation in the group fitness industry as this person who's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. You are um, so energetic, so positive, right? Again, we're going back to positive. Uh, but more recently, there's a bit more, this negativity has come back a little bit. And, mm. and negativity is coming around um, in terms of the experience that you had uh, 
at the current location where you were working, uh, yeah. the current company you're working for, Steve Nash. Yes. And um, it's grown quite a bit since what you've discovered. Now, can you walk us through what it was that um, you had discovered, you know, as an employee uh, in Groove Fitness? Right. So, um, late last year in the in the fall, uh, it occurred to me, like I discovered that I had been eligible for stat pay on the Monday classes that I'd been teaching for six years. Um, And so as an employee, according to employment standards and according to the company handbook, said that if you worked for 15 out of 30 days leading up to your stat Mm -hmm. day that you were eligible for stat pay and I'd never received it. So I I discovered this and I I reached out um, to some of my uh, fellow instructors and said, did you know this? Like, did, did, have you ever been paid stat pay? And uh, it, so ju- discovered it wasn't just me. And then uh, I contacted the our payroll and they said they would fix it and that we'd get retro. Um, and, and then along the way I thought, well, I want to just look a little bit more into this Employment Standards Act now that I've been reading because is it possible that they it's missed some, there's some, some other, other discrepancies or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and maybe with other, in other departments too. And so it really kind of um, exploded into this <laughs> uh, right, big, right. big so, thing. So, so out of your curiosity, firstly, for just ensuring that, you know, you were getting paid for what you were entitled to, mm-hmm. um, stemmed uh, perhaps more things that were being missed right yeah and uh, what did you discover was it other group fitness trainers or was it other employees as well like to what extent yeah so we're all employees and so uh, under the employment standards act we uh, there's certain um minimum requirements that are supposed to be met and what i discovered was you know how we're paid as hourly workers was not being met and uh stat pay overtime pay having a break after being on the floor for four hours. I mean, in some instances with um, personal trainers, they were getting not paid, getting paid nothing for, mm-hmm. for a lot of their hours on that. So there should be no, at no time, for no t- period of time should you be earning zero dollars right. basically, and that's been happening. Um, yeah, so I, I, once I learned more about what, what should be happening, um, and I brought it to the attention of some of my colleagues and started talking more about it. The company started reacting to my inquiries in a negative way, okay. um, which included um, the CEO calling me directly on the phone to want to have a conversation with me. So, um, and it, it wasn't, it was, it didn't make me feel very good at all or very, uh, I wasn't comfortable. I just had a, this bad feeling in my gut. And so I, I, because the company reacted so negatively, um, I and some others decided to file a formal complaint with the Employment Standards Branch I see. because the problem seemed way bigger than something that could be handled internally. And then at that point, I wasn't confident that even though they said they wanted to work um, towards positive solutions i think it was you know it ended up being just a stall tactic while, while they i think were trying to figure out how they could 
get me to go away or something, you know? Right, so, right. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we can only speculate as to what their strategy was, what the, what that was. Yeah. But in the context, though, you've already been working for the company for 15, over 15 over years 15 now. Over 15 years, yes. Yeah. So, so I'm still technically employed with them. I never did resign. They did not terminate my employment. So I'm what's considered an inactive employee or, you know, a sub-instructor. So right. um, I can still log in to see my Pay, pay information I can still log into the company email mm-hmm. so for anybody that's been told otherwise that's um, this is what the, the true case is right. and okay. um, you know for those who aren't aware and, and not just people at Steve Nash the, the employment standards branch exists to mediate non-union disputes between employees and employers so okay. this resource is out there for Anybody right. that's an employee that's not in a union. I see. Okay. And just to be clear, too, because we use Steve Nash almost interchangeably with Steve Nash Fitness World. I know yes. that's the person's name, but it's yes. Steve Nash Fitness Steve World. Steve Nash company. Fitness World. Yeah. Steve Nash, the NBA player, the former NBA player, has nothing to do with this, yeah, just yeah. to be clear. It was name rights that they yeah. had from before. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Now you've done all this digging, you've done all this legwork, again, initially for yourself. You talked to some colleagues, yeah. uh, and they were able to reiterate some of what you had discovered on their own um, financial you know, uh, records. Yeah. Um, up to what point now have, has you know, the scope in terms of people, mm-hmm. have you limited to or uh, figured out decided determined that it's impacted this whole situation so, so after after the the class action lawsuit became public um this this claim was filed in court on july the 4th the company was served on july the 9th of 2019 of 2019 um i've personally had contact with over 70 people Okay. So that's a lot of people, right. not that just in lot. not just in personal training, not just in group fitness. These are some people from member sales, from marketing, from front desk, that kind of thing. So um, the class itself, we're thinking, could be as many as 600 or possibly more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in the legal claim itself, it says, you know, the action is brought on behalf of the plaintiff and all persons, wherever they reside, who are current or former non-managerial employees of the defendant for the period of July 3rd, 2017, to the date of to the date certification is granted in this action. So whatever the judge um, decides will... Okay. Will be in so that's that date's yet to be determined. Yeah, I mean, technically, according to the statute of limitations, it's two years from the date, the start date of your claim, because of the liberals. That's the statute of limitations <laughs> that they gifted to us. So, um, but because Supreme Court is so terribly backlogged, and you know, by the time all is said and done, you just don't know how much time will pass by. Um, yeah, I mean, so this 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 class mm-hmm. um, were were would include per- personal training, group fitness, member sales, front desk, marketing, child minding, maintenance, and anybody else who feels that their contractual rights were not met. Not met. Okay. Yeah. So and now when you say contractual rights, everyone. I mean, when I was employed there, everyone is uh, gets an employee handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the term that they use as an employee handbook. Is that yeah. what it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, current employer, same thing. Wherever you go, you get a like almost like a. This is your go-to if you have any questions about your rights as an employee. And so within those uh, rights, um, you're saying that 
depend, regardless, outside of managerial roles, um, there's potential for violation of some of those rights. Yeah, yeah, even though it's listed in their own handbook, they mm-hmm. haven't um, they haven't complied with what says right. what it says in their own right. handbook. Right. So, so now where what is the status? And just to give a figure as well, uh, what is the dollar figure that they've used as in terms of you know what the class action is actually looking right. to be compensated for? Right. It, it went in um, for twenty million dollars, and then there was a disclaimer that said, or whatever amount the honorable judge determines you know, sees fit kind right, of thing, of course, right? Of course. And um, so right now, um, after the, the they were served, they didn't respond. And um, then right now what's happening is the, the, the law firm is gathering um, affidavit evidence to submit in, in hopes of certifying the class. So I see. class actions are different than individual individual claims and the court tends to like them because you can lump you know many many people right. that have a common problem together in one group and mm-hmm. get it taken care of in one you know in one process yeah kind right. of instead yeah. of individually let's say potentially exactly, 700 different cases if the supreme court is so backlogged already can you imagine if you know 600 or so people defi- decide to file claims right. individually it's just not inefficient it's at the end of the day it's inefficient yeah um i want to go back to why you decided you know we're going to wrap up this conversation about this in a second Mm -hmm. uh but i wanted to make you know talk to you about what it was that compelled you to feel like you you wanted to pursue this further i mean obviously you saw that there was some issues with you know some of your stuff and it takes a lot of fortitude in my view to continue to pursue and to dig deeper Uh, and i think that's what speaks loudly to me is what was it that compelled you that to say, I got to dig deeper because this goes beyond me. Yeah. So um, I thought long and hard about it. It just wasn't sitting well with my conscience now that I knew what every, what was going on. Um, and I thought, this is, there's so much unethical business going on here and I can't just stand back and say nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that other there were individuals who'd been treated even, you know, had worse experience than myself. Wow, really? Yep, and that were either scared into quitting and going away or just plain scared and just chose to not do or say anything. And I thought it became not so much about the money, but about the principle and just um, speaking up for myself and others and and bringing uh, this to light just because... Uh, there's you know because there's a big corporation that you work for i mean so many pretty much all of us went into it with good faith and trust Mm -hmm. that that they're going to pay everybody properly and treat everybody properly and then when you find out that might not be the case um and you say something about it and then you see another side of how how they operate yeah. in dealing with when you try and challenge something. Yeah, yeah. It becomes more about human rights, rights as a human being, right? right? right absolutely. So, um, and that it is okay to stand up for yourself. And um, when I did the interview with Global News, I mean, you know, I brought this up too. It's uh, people shouldn't be felt like they should be have duct tape over the yeah. mouth and not address things just because i mean if you feel like something's not right you should be able to say something and mm. should be able to have a civil conversation about it and truthfully work towards solutions mm. not just 
you know, scare that person into right quitting. And I think that was your goal, at least initially. Well, not at least initially, but that's how you approached it in the beginning was mm-hmm. let's see how we can yeah. deal with this. Right? Yeah, I did. And uh, coming from the perspective of I do what you do, as in we work in the industry of motivated people. Yes. We did, you know, we work in this industry because that's what we love doing. And then for you to now have to dis- uh, discover something like this, where all your focus for 15 plus years with the company is, I just want to work and motivate people, and this is what I love doing. You didn't even really think this should be an issue, and yet now it's become come to light that it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just about valuing your employees for real, I think, and, and um, you know, I mean... You're, you're, you should, if you're going to walk the walk, talk the talk, then walk the walk kind of thing, yeah, right? Totally. I mean, and we all, we all bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, well, how could you do that? Why yeah. did you do that? Right? And, and so this is, this is more about just um, bringing things to light. And, and, and in the fitness industry in general, I mean, you know, this isn't, this needs to things need to change yeah. in a big way in the fitness industry not just in, in big box but in other mm-hmm. other places and if, if there's an opportunity to set an example in a in a good way and move forward in a good way then yeah then that's my goal well, and, what you know are, what are those other what are some of those other things could you tell me what are some of those other things that you feel like should change in the fitness industry i know i have my opinions about certain things that should change but what do you think if you could um, just maybe give me two. I think, two well, fair fair or equal pay between the men and women, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I think some male trainers who have the same, female trainers who have the same length of experience and certifications as male trainers, there's not uh, some, there's, a, there's, there's an imbalance. There's yep. a discrepancy in how they're paid. So I think that needs to, not, not, again, that's not just in fitness. That happens in other. Yeah, that's a, that's right? a barrier that we have to deal with as a society yeah. that needs to be yeah. addressed for and, sure. And um, um, group fitness, there's a lot to be said for um, your level of experience in diversity. So when you're looking at hiring somebody you know i think you should pay them um for for the skill set that they bring and that they could they can really attract a lot of people and and do a a safe effective class and and you can put your full trust in that person to conduct a safe effective class and that's that's worth something right i mean yeah for sure there's a lot of continuing education and a lot of group fitness instructors who have post um secondary um, degrees, diplomas, and and um, and then there's still this this com- some sometimes people will say, oh, you know, you're you're just a you're just a fitness yeah, what instructor. Yeah, what is that? What is that? Yeah, pre- prefix. Yeah, what does that just it mean? It still happens. We're we're working very hard to take that stigma away. As if it wasn't a real job. Exactly. Like right? it's just so. Anyway, there's a lot of education and yeah. knowledge and understanding that has to go into fitness classes, no matter what they are. You know, even the dance fitness instructors have to know how to conduct a safe 
right. effective class, right? right? In terms so. of professionalism, and as a, if you just look at it from a job perspective, um, I would argue that this requires even what we do requires even more professionalism than you know dressing up in a suit and being in an office because we're exposed to so many clients, customers, members on a daily basis where <coughs> we could be under scrutiny for our lack of professionalism or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms of a job and it being something that we need to be proficient at and you know uh, be certified and be you know we work within our scope I think now being in it for a few years I realized it's not just a job and I think uh, to, to your point there is a stigma that I think hopefully will diminish as time goes on that you know this is a very real Um, career path and uh, people that we come across are impacted for for their lives you know for life Mm -hmm. Uh, we do things to impact people's lives in a positive way Um, I mean you can think about this why I mean a physiotherapist or you know psychiatrist or a chiropractor um, these are all professionals they get their education and they're compensated accordingly why is this any different Mm-hmm. Right, um, I think there's just like in any industry, there's you know there's good and bad apples, and I think maybe that's why. And you go into social media, and everybody and their dogs is saying they're a trainer because they did a fitness competition once. And I think that's a little bit of why there's this misunderstanding of mm-hmm. what we do. It's diluting, being diluted by certain things that you know they that are just getting so much exposure. And I think uh, people are starting to realize that there are actually real professionals in this industry that. Are are here to help people not just to make a quick buck you know yeah for sure yeah. and and absolutely <laughs> um so i want to transition a little bit onto uh, some other things now but how is it that people if they realize that they may be a part of the class you said the time period was july 2017 and potentially onward from there right yeah so, About the, two years. so the start date for the legal claim is july 3rd 2017 so if you or if somebody out there was employed as of that date even if they've since quit or if somebody has since started you um, could well be um, a member of the the class and i'd encourage any of those people to call in to the law firm okay and uh, can you name the law firm here for us yeah it's victory square law office in in downtown vancouver um the contact just quickly is vslo at vslo.ca and you're going to post yeah, other things that's later, right. right so, so. Um, what i will do is i'll put it all in the show notes so if ever you're curious and you want to look it up and not just mm-hmm. just to learn a little bit more about what the the case was in the suit but if perhaps you feel like you are a part of the class if you work for the company for a certain period of time all that information will be also be in the show notes oh yeah and, yes and um the law firm has created their own facebook page Perfect. and if you are on facebook or you want to find it it is uh, Steve Nash class action and so that page has been posted okay. by Victory Square so Law just type office. that into the search bar and then that's that right. should be the first thing that'll come up yep okay so that's that's obviously a major challenge and um, something that we're dealing with you're dealing with right now and uh, firstly I want to commend you for being that voice thank you um, this says a lot about your fortitude as a human being but uh, your selflessness because obviously this is going beyond you and potentially hundreds of other people so thank you for being that voice for people thank you now going along to a few other questions and how you've grown to be the person that you've become 
um, which is an amazing person, I have to say. Who Thank was the you. most influential person in your life going up? My parents, I yeah. would have to say. See, my, not person, but persons. Yeah, my, my okay. mom and dad. I can't just say one without the other, right? <laughs> well, so, I'm going to get mad. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, and, and they've been, they're, they've been married for 50 years. And That's amazing. Still live in the house in Cloverdale where I grew up. Wow. And yeah, so, um, yeah, a huge influence. <laughs> what kind of, well, if you could drill down to like a lesson or two, things that stand out as far as what, what kind of, lessons they've imparted on you what would those be yeah and discipline um work ethic thoughtfulness and healthy lifestyle right. i mean my dad <laughs> as you know is a is what they would dub a gym rat i mean he's at the gym <laughs> six days a week and before gym members memberships were a thing he was the guy that would run around the you know neighborhood in the city like forrest gump and he was known as the running guy the, running the, guy, guy. the guy that jogs around oh, all over goodness. before it was even a thing yeah, right yeah. so he oh, played so soccer, and he had his own little training thing set up in our basement. He had a punching bag and some weights, and he made his pull-up bar, and he'd be <laughs> out there running, like, yeah, all the time. So That's funny. So I have, I've obviously had the pleasure of meeting him yeah. uh, at the gym a few times, and the conversation, I, I always <laughs> love talking to him. But now when you're telling me how he was even before then, he's still doing this now, but now I can just picture him putting up a pull-up bar or whatever, and him doing it, whatever, in the living room. Or I just can just see his face yeah. or his so um, I'm glad that they were such good influences for you, your parents. Mm -hmm. If you met your younger self today, what would make them happy and sad about you? I think uh, my younger self would be happy that I'm alive and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> for one reason yeah. alone, I'm here still. Yeah. yeah, and sad maybe that I didn't have children um, because mm -hmm. all growing up and ever since I was a kid, I always envisioned myself as being a mom and having kids. And like, I'm not sad about it. I'm totally at peace with it because mm -hmm. I, I also believe that everything happens for a reason. But, you know, I, I think that. that my younger self would be like, oh, why don't you have any kids? Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I think I, I have um, love children, love babies, love kids. And mm -hmm. whenever I'm around them, people have always commented, oh, you're so good with them and you'd make a great mom. And, you know, I can't wait for you to have kids. And oh. yeah, so. How do those comments make you feel now that you've come to the certain acceptance? How do those comments, when someone says that about I, you? I think it's more of a compliment. You know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't rub me the wrong way. Okay. I mean, I know some people oh, can't stand when <laughs> they say, when are you going to have a kid? Or when are you going to get married? because really it's none of their business yes, right not. so um but no it's never really gotten to me yeah because i i just chose to accept right, right. I, yeah then and, and it became clear after a while that it just wasn't in the cards mm -hmm. that my calling was somewhere else yeah, so somewhere else. yeah well i'll tell you right now regardless of whether you <laughs> had your own children or not um deja your trainer yeah. uh has almost become a perhaps one of your children yeah. i think your guys's relationship <laughs> is just an amazing relationship um she always tells me about oh my goodness sharon brought me this or she like the thoughtfulness uh, in that relationship that, that you guys have it's not just trainer client it's friendship it's mentorship it's you know it's all of those things and i think that's so awesome so regardless of whether you have your Thank own children you. i think you have other children that yeah. look up to you yeah for sure <laughs> and you know i do have a my brother has a a, a son so that nephew is is very important in my life so yeah. there you go and you yeah. your energy. and of course Cruz is in the next room napping yep. so there's another Love child cruisy. for you <laughs> <And> the cruisy <laughs> um what is something that you think everyone should experience in their lifetime 
I think that everyone should have a chance to experience being in the wild with nature and really taking it all in. <laughs> so what does that mean? It sounds like you're speaking from experience. What does well, that look yeah, like? Yeah, I mean, just my most recent experience was in uh, <clears throat> November. Um, we went to Cabo, and my husband and I, we went um, snorkeling with the whale sharks just oh off of La Paz. You know, they're these gentle, giant beasts, and like to go into the ocean and swim with marine life in their natural setting is it, it can be daunting and scary if but once you do it a few times it just becomes so beautiful and it's peaceful in there it's um the things that you can see and experience is is, is amazing to see other other levels literally levels of you know the world that we live in right there's a different species in their element yeah and and i've never really been an outdoors person my husband is an <laughs> avid outdoors person yeah. i'm I'm doing my best to embrace <laughs> the part of it where you kind of go out into the... The bush? Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> away from technology and yeah. flush toilets and running water and all that and just appreciate this this being in nature, and, yeah, right? Yeah. And having fresh air and... and I think that's cool, and, I'm, and I hope your husband is able to take that out of you more. Um, I can only speak from experience. Going back to the whale shark <clears throat> diving for a second... Mm -hmm. um, I attempted to do some whale shark diving, but the whale sharks weren't around that day. So we had locals. I was in the Philippines, mm -hmm. and uh, that was our intent. But we had uh, a 10-hour journey mm. to go there uh, to the place where there would potentially be whale sharks. We never found any, but we went swimming anyway. But I can only imagine, because I've been snorkeling and things, and just being immersed, obviously underwater, but seeing other animals move around you and the beauty and how quick. It's like... I am in a cartoon because I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to move myself around this 360 cartoon. That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure that's how you felt too. Yeah. But in terms of being outdoors, yeah. you live in BC. Yes. I know I've <laughs> been said. born and raised <laughs> yeah, here. And yeah. my husband bugs me all the time, yeah. you know. <laughs> and you know what? Um, when you do experience it, I know like you may have to you know, use the bathroom in an outhouse or yeah. outside for whatever. And you may not have your cell phone. And... I, trust me like you know being away from the cell phone sometimes it's like okay well where is it like if I don't know where it is mm -hmm. but it really is an eye-opening experience you get immersed with sounds that you know did, would never have thought you would, you would hear mm -hmm. and um, just the ability to disconnect yeah. uh, I always tell Misha at least once a year we're going to try to disconnect and be outdoors and go for a camping trip where we're not around technology and yeah. it really is a very helpful practice for us anyway so. well and to see stars in That's the Milky it. Way true <laughs> right absolutely away the from the city and be away from the lights. And we can interfere. talk about this more because I have mm -hmm. some suggestions for you for, oh. for next time, next summer. I'm mm -hmm. sure your husband has lots mm -hmm. too. <laughs> um, I thought this was really interesting because I know you are such a selfless person. Where do you draw the line between helping people and showing them how to help themselves and mm -hmm. how do you strike that balance? Uh, I feel like I've developed or learned, I, you know, I have a keen sense for who truly needs help versus who's just uh, lazy and wants you to do the work for them or is trying to take advantage. Like yeah. I've been taken advantage mm. of by some people in the past. And that's a hard lesson because you feel, you believe that person was really your friend and then they end up being just a user. And I think everybody kind of has to go through that and figure, figure it out. Right. And it's, right. um, it's a hard lesson. So yeah, I, I, you know, it's I, my, as the years go by, you can in, hone your intuition too, right? And For so sure. then you can 
determine who really needs help or who really needs you to do something versus who's just right seeing what they can yeah how totally. much they can get out yeah of you. squeeze out of you yeah. and i think again coming from a generous person like yourself um to be able to distinguish or determine you know the difference is obviously very important mm-hmm. right? you know for me it gives me great joy to be able to help someone and do do for others so i it's just part of who i am yeah, and so. i appreciate that about thank you, you. So, <laughs> so complete the sentence if you really really knew me sharon freeman you would know that I'm a nurturer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, would I have to really, really, really know you to be to know that? I know I'm making it harder on you now. Well, yeah, I, I, I yeah. yeah, you'd have yeah. to spend a bit of time with me, I think, right? Fair I mean, enough. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and I think the level that I know you now versus when I first met you, mm-hmm. um, it's very different. So you're right. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, if you had one hour with a therapist, what would you talk about most in that one-hour therapy session? I, I think um, talk about, you know, how best to clear negative emotions and limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that's an ongoing thing that you need to work on yeah. for you? Yeah. yeah. But the tools that I've been given and means that I've been shown so far have been very helpful. And it's it's really, really good tool. Like right. It's helped so much. So, right. yeah, it's ongoing and doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So I guess tying into that, and perhaps it's a different answer, but uh, what do you feel in your life is a work in progress right now? Uh, being okay with putting myself first. Ah, okay. So those like a push and pull for you. Yeah. Selfless and quote-unquote selfishness. Because sometimes you have to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And I think selfishness has a kind of a negative connotation, but how do you perceive what that means, putting yourself first? Yeah, so rather than, I think, being selfish, because selfish is and can be quite, negative like mm-hmm, perceived. I think it's more about self-love and being okay with doing for yourself first so that in, or, in, in order for your to be able to do for others yeah, right yeah yeah so you take care of yourself first in order to be able to take care of others yes. I think that's one of those things they tell you uh, you're on a plane put your mask on first before you put well the, yeah yeah right? that's a great example yeah. right exactly so, no I love that yeah. I love that mm-hmm. what are you most proud of right now that most people won't know about Oh, that after all these years, I finally realized it's okay to stand up for myself and speak my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, and that's so profound to me because a lot of us have that inhibition to speak mm-hmm. up, you know, not necessarily to the establishment, but, uh, you know, to perhaps a spouse that wasn't very, being very nice or just being mm-hmm. able to speak your mind, you know, truthfully and not be worried about how it's received. Just mm-hmm. knowing that you're able to speak your truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And especially the way that I was brought up too is like all about respect your elders. Don't argue, don't talk back. Mm. And you know, the, the, the men versus women whole cultural thing like from coming from Asian cultures I was going right? to say the Japanese culture I don't know if the, what the influence men was men are that. number one in the Japanese mm, culture I men see. are number one in the Indian culture okay. so it's like you know it's like women for for many for so long have been conditioned to bow down to men and yeah. and, and um, just in general like you don't um, you respect your elders and it's all about respecting people kind of in positions of authority no matter what right but now it's like well i think we are we have that right to yeah so this uh almost like embedded in their culture is this subservience that you're saying is Mm. uh something that we're 
progressively moving away from now i don't know if you can speak to how it is now in terms of you know that culture are you able to speak to that now or perhaps even what your parents views are now well i i think in in the in the actual countries there's still strong sense of that mm-hmm. but the people that have come into north america from those countries adapt different oh absolutely they <laughs> adapt their culture <laughs> Hopefully, right yeah. so yeah <laughs> so it i it's good and it's bad. I mean, there's good and bad in everything, I for think. Sure. But, yeah, the, the ones that have used it for positive, in a positive way, like, you know, empower their their female children, empower yeah. their, right? I'm, so it's good in that way. Yeah, okay. That's good. Okay, I got a few easy ones for you. And <laughs> we'll knock these ones off. Mm-hmm. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled. Scrambled. Okay. We got a couple of the scrambled uh, variety. <laughs> Winter, spring, summer, or fall? Summer. Summer. Okay. I'm with you there. I'm fine on that. Summer. I'm a summer baby. Okay. So I know you and, and Deja have been working on this. Squat, bench, or deadlift. You had to, cho- you had to choose one. Squat. Squat. Yeah. I know your squat. You just hit a PR like not too long ago, right? Personal best? I think it was 115. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Good for you. Now, it's relative more than my body weight. I was going to say, relative to your body weight, it's more. Yeah, so, I'm a 105. Oh, wow, good for you. That's awesome. That's a big milestone, by the way. Thanks. No context to this one. You just have to answer it. Yeah. Fast or slow? Fast. Fast, okay. <clears throat> Get it. Yeah. Sweet or savory? Savory. Okay, easy one. I love that. Crunchy or smooth? Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> of the smooth family. Another high five for you. All right. You are in the majority so far, so Yay. we'll take it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, before we get into our final three questions, mm-hmm. um, how can people find you personally and get in touch with you? So um, if you're on Facebook, yeah. then my Facebook um, profile is Frankie Freeman. And on Instagram, it's EnzoFrankie7. Okay. And obviously, I don't expect you guys to remember that. I'll have it all in the show yeah. notes if you want to get in touch with Sharon. And then in terms of the contact, was there any other contacts, first of all, personally for you? Um, they can um, email me also if okay. somebody wants to email me. It's, okay. Yeah, I can provide that to Perfect. you. Um, and then, of course, again, just reiterating, if you uh, want any more information about the class action lawsuit, I will mm-hmm. also have those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into our final three questions. <laughs> All right. So if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds right now on this podcast, what would you say to those people? Well, speaking from personal experience, I would say <laughs> invest in your health. There you go. Don't be scared to make changes to your lifestyle in order to improve your mental and physical health. Um, and keep in mind that change equals growth. Yeah. If you don't have your health at the end of the day, you don't have anything. It's so true. It's so true. It's like the one limiting factor that, you know, your life's uh, fulfillment or, you know, level of life is so dependent on on what that health Mm -hmm. is, right? So Mm -hmm. I love that answer. Thank you, (laughs) Thanks. If someone could ask you one question that you wish you could be asked, what would that question be? Would you like to have dinner with Oprah and Michelle Obama? (laughs) And what would your answer be, Sharon? Oh my God, yes! How could you say no? Oh, my God. So, obviously, these two are amazing women that yeah. uh, I would love to have conversations with, too. Like mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Well, last year was amazing because uh, I got to see Michelle Obama. I got to That's see right. Oprah. And oh, I got to see Ellen. And, and this is huge in, in considering everything that I was going through. Yeah. You know, I got so much from from listening to them and buying their books and reading yeah, their yeah. books. and. Right. These are yeah. very powerful women and not powerful in like just just not influence even, but just who they are and their mm-hmm. ability to, you know, be themselves, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing mentors. Before we get to our final question, uh, I want to acknowledge you first, because first of all, 
knowing who you are again I, I could say it a million times but you are one of the most selfless people that I've ever met uh, you're incredibly generous um, you always speak your truth and uh, there's an air of authenticity about you that not a lot of people not not everybody has and uh, upon meeting you from the first time I always knew that that was the kind of person and I'm so happy that Deja your trainer is now training at Iron Alley and you and I have gotten to know a lot more about each other and we've gotten to know each other better and i appreciate that we are friends so thank, thank you Sharon. thank you i appreciate <laughs> you too thank you for this opportunity mm -hmm. absolutely now let's get to our final question mm -hmm. what is your definition of living your best and fittest life uh love yourself love what you do and love life so a lot of love love <laughs> love yourself love what you do and yeah. love life life i love it right yeah. yeah i love it yeah all right thank you sharon so much for being here today i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it right. <laughs> thank you all right guys that is my interview with sharon freeman as i'm sure you can tell she is soft-spoken and kind but an incredibly strong woman both physically and mentally she has overcome some tough situations in her life yet her vibrant infectious energy always shines through all right, Fit United fam, this is my unique way of serving you guys that doesn't require you to be sitting at your phone, scrolling up and down mindlessly. You can listen on the go while you're commuting or during your workout, walking the dog, washing your dishes, whatever. I love communicating and being able to talk and listen to you guys, and that's what gets me fired up every day. So with that in mind, if you have any topic suggestions for the podcast or have any questions or comments, send me a message on facebook.com slash fitunited.show on Instagram at kevingreen.fitness or at fitunited.show, or on our new website, fitunited.show. You can now listen to and download the podcast directly on the website. Pretty sweet. Also, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and please leave me a rating and review. This is how I know I'm bringing value to you guys and how I can continue to do so in serving you in the best way that I can. If you found this helpful, insightful, powerful if this episode spoke to you or you know somebody who would appreciate hearing my conversation with sharon please share it i believe sharing these lessons we learn from one another is the best way to always be improving one day at a time lastly guys join the fit united podcast vip my goal for creating a vip group is to connect all of us together on a deeper level all you have to do is text fitness to 69922 and you and i will be able to connect by text as part of this VIP community, I'll give you access to exclusive content that is reserved just for you in the VIP. As content rolls out, you'll know about it first and be able to enter giveaways and things before anyone else. Don't worry, guys. I promise to keep the text to a minimum, just enough for you and I to stay connected. All right, Kevin here signing out. I will see you all on the next one.